Welcome to Authentic Alchemy, the place where we tap into infinite possibilities and attract your deepest desires. I am your host, Emily Burke, and if you have found yourself here, congratulations. You've just taken a step towards your next up level and expansion. On this show, we dive into all things manifestation, shadow work, spirituality, personal growth, and creating your most authentically you dream life. Well done for choosing you by pressing play today. Now let's begin. All right, welcome back to another episode of Authentic Alchemy. I'm so incredibly grateful that you are here. I'm so incredibly grateful if you are a return listener, if you're brand new, welcome, welcome, welcome. I love you. I adore you. I'm so incredibly humbled that you are here and listening to me and to my guests. Um, Today, I'm really, really excited because I have a fellow educator here with me. Um, and I am really excited to learn a lot from her. Her name is Carly and she is a Psych K facilitator and Montessori teacher. She supports parents to clear anxiety, stress and limiting beliefs so they can parent with confidence and ease and following their intuition. And I, as a teacher who has been working in the mainstream system for the past five years um, and has always been very, very curious about kind of, I'm going to like use inverted like quotation marks here, like alternative ways of education. (laughs) I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about this because this is something that I strive to kind of bring into my own way of teaching and that I would actually, I actually have a little bit like bigger dreams around um, education in kind of a more natural way. So I'm really excited to learn from Carly. Welcome, Carly, to Authentic Alchemy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am as excited because I know we have a lot in common. (laughs) Yes, it's going to be beautiful. So I always ask my guests first up, Um, this one question and that is what does authenticity mean to you authenticity well what I always say to myself and my clients is being confident fearless and unapologetically you and authenticity to me is that it is showing up as yourself to everyone else around you as well as yourself you know just being true to yourself and doing you unapologetically if that is with deep sensitivity if that's with loudness you know just being really true to yourself and choosing selfishly but selflessly what you need to do to show up better for you for your family for your friends because you know when you're doing that that's authentic authentic and that is what I really believe will best benefit you and the people around you oh I love that answer you know I get like I ask that to all of my guests and I always get a different answer and they're always so beautiful and so perfect um for how can everyone have such different um definitions and meanings around authenticity I know I know and I think that that is like the you know the root of authenticity itself is that everybody has their own um 
meaning behind it and the way that they express it is um, in their own way. And it's, uh, I think the crux of it really always comes down to is just being you and kind of, uh, you know, blocking out that external noise is just, it's so, so, so perfect. Um, For our listeners who haven't met you before and don't know you and would love to get to know you, can you just give us a little bit of a backstory as much or as little that you'd like to share about kind of how you got here and um, how you serve in the world? Awesome. Yeah. So this could be its own whole podcast. So I'll try to make it as short as I can, but ask me to elaborate it in any part. But yes, just like you, I went into education and I made it in a mainstream classroom for a week of placement, pretty much. I was also studying psychology at the time and just what I observed and I saw it just didn't feel authentic. It made me feel like the mainstream model was trying to create the same type of student. And I I felt it was very that A-type, robotic. It didn't feel right to me. And that led me on to exploring alternative methodologies. And I found Montessori. I went and observed a school. I started reading a few of her books and I was obsessed. I loved her, just her writings, her philosophy, her findings, and the way she just really respected children in the way she wanted them to be educated and supported. And um, that led me to do my um, six to 12 year old. So that's primary education, the Montessori diploma. And pretty much from there, I went and started teaching in a Montessori school. Um, And I also did the zero to three theory component. So I'm very much obsessed with learning all about Montessori philosophy and human development. And yeah, Psyche, this was something that came to me, even as a teacher, as I observed children, that element of anxiety, of stress, of lack of confidence that children were experiencing from the classroom, from culture, from society, I was just like, oh, how can we fix it and change it? And Psyche came to me through my own anxiety. And yeah, it was just like the originator, Rob Williams, he calls his book, The Missing Piece. And it really felt that way. I was like, oh, this is what I need to be using to support parents and support children and supporting everyone. Because I'm sure you know this um, through your observations with children is like children learn, children they push themselves to learn and push themselves to want to understand things. We don't need to do anything really except guide it. But what was getting in the way was these like stress and anxiety and this total shutdown that created resistance and negativity towards education or any topic really, as well as, you know, relationships or self-esteem. So that is kind of a brief overview of how I got here. And yeah, I left the system. I started with homeschooling because I started my, you know, my my own thing during COVID. And I kind of was out of the system and ready supporting homeschoolers. And that's kind of how I was like, well, hello, this is me. I kind of jumped into the homeschool space first. And um, I do consulting. I don't push that as much, but people know that I consult and come to me and I help them get out the system or educate in a more alternative way because, you know, I'm sure you feel this way 
with what you just said. You're like, I want to educate. I want children to learn, but I don't want it to be in the system it should be and is now. So how can we create another way? And I jump in and I go, here, here's how we can create an incredible way of being that educates you, supports the family, respects the child. So yeah, that's how I started. And now I work a lot with children from, you know, schools, from five to teenagers and parents and grandparents, you know, all the way up to 70 years old. So that is a little overview of me. Wow, 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 wow. I have so many questions. I'm going to have to like stop myself from like interjecting on like my own like ideas. I guess the first thing that's like I'm feeling called to like share, particularly because I know that there are actually beautiful mamas from the school that I have worked at and currently work at who listen to the podcast and I want to first say that every single teacher that I have ever met loves and adores kids and wants to do the best that they possibly can and unfortunately in the government system it doesn't lend itself to really like giving each individual child exactly what it needs and this is a very common conversation that I have with my own colleagues that everybody just wants to be able to do more they want to be able to do more but they also want to be able to take care of their own well-being and they will still quite often sacrifice their own well-being and still not be able to give every kid exactly what they need and they're working within a system that is asking a lot of them so I guess I just wanted to like put that out there as well that like I think that there are some incredible schools out the school that I work at is just I, I adore it and I love it and there's still so much more that I think that can be done for children in the education space because like what you said it doesn't it, it fits a very specific type of person And some people thrive in that environment. And I see it every day. Some people absolutely thrive. And then others are just, because we're all different, they're not designed to be in that environment. And what I love about what you're talking about with uh, Montessori and when I went to uni, I did um, a lot of learning around it. And I have friends who do like homeschooling or kids who go to um, or did Montessori uh, early learning and, and, and things like that. Um, it really allows each individual child to learn in a way that best suits them. And it's so, so, so beautiful. So I just wanted to like a disclaimer there that I I think that all educators are just doing the best that they possibly can in the system that they're in. And I would love more and more people and more and more schools to adopt like Montessori philosophies and, and things like that. So can you give us a little bit of a... Uh, idea of what Montessori is for you know people who are kind of like I don't know what that is isn't that just some kind of like you know I think for I hear a lot of people and their perception is some kind of like hippy dippy crap that like (laughs) that like only like I don't know weirdos out in the forest are doing and I'm like that is absolutely not true at all (laughs) there are a lot of like uh, for instance I know private schools who their early learning their ELC early learning centers have a Montessori um, I guess curriculum you would say wow. yeah so can you give us a bit of an idea about what it is 
Sure. So I'll explain it all to you. And I just want to say like, I just, oh my God, I praise all educators. I didn't laugh. I lasted a week observing a mainstream placement and then said, I am never working in a mainstream school. Mm-hmm. And I even worked in a Montessori school, you know, and still I was frustrated by the system, not because, you know, because it was Montessori within the New South Wales Australian curriculum. So mm-hmm. it wasn't as authentic to Montessori. And, you know, I was being pushed to do bigger things because I found myself in different specific situations. But I just praise educators because, like, I just don't even know how you do it. Like, I I can't, I couldn't because I'm the same as you. I've had all these conversations with educators. We all agree. We observe that child. We just want to give them X, Y, and Z. We know what they need, but we don't have the time or capacity Um and you've just got a year with them and then it's done. It's like, it's just so full on. So educators are incredible and amazing and have so much care. And the ones that are doing it in the system are incredible because I I couldn't. Like I, there was, you know, I would have been, I was, would have been burnt out in a second. So mm. it's amazing. Oh, well, like I'm the first one to put my hand up. It was three yeah. years and I, and I'm talking, I love teaching I loved it so much and then I was like I can't do this anymore I'm so exhausted I burnt out and have spent the last two years like still kind of work still working but with the you know end goal to leave which is really unfortunate it has nothing to do with not loving children and not loving working with children and being an educator it's the system itself makes it really really hard to stay passionate and excited about it and to be able to feel like you're doing everything you can anyway I digress again Montessori Montessori. so Maria Montessori she had a background in um, medicine and anthropologist so when she observed humans and children she had that really you know clinical eye and very objective objectives is the right word or subjective whichever the one is you know what I mean yeah (laughs) yeah You know, so she didn't judge them. And through that, through doing that, she started to really see what children needed without being like, oh, that child's saying that thing. They must be hungry and they must be this. So she learned really to observe children and support them and give them what they need. And as she started doing this, she started with children who had all kind of, um, you know, either special needs or they were lower SES, she started observing that if she supported and guided and helped them gain the tools they needed, they would become these really incredible, she used the word normalized, which was, you know, a child that wants to contribute to society, wants to learn, wants to help, wants to do all these things that we want to try and make children do anyway. But she saw that they do that naturally. And she observed that in children all around the world. She studied in India and she basically started writing this, creating a space for them, which she called a prepared environment. And that's kind of how Montessori education grew. So what she saw is that children are in different stages of development. So there's zero to six, there's six to 12, um, and then 12 to 18, which is adolescence. And within those, there's little like stages of development or subcategories. And she created an environment or a room, you know, a classroom and ways and activities that really help the child's development. Mm -hmm. 
And so through this, she saw these incredible things like a child or a toddler that we think is running around and running amok when they are in a specific time of brain development and they get a material or a toy, an activity that supports that brain of development, they will sit down for hours at a time doing it, you know, without interruption, not seeing anyone else because their brain needs it at that moment. Um, and you will see this in all children. So you'll see this in a little child starting to like move and bend as they start to learn to um, learn to walk or want to walk, but they're just starting to bend their legs over and over again. They'll say ga 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 over and over again. They're starting to learn to start to speak or preparation to speak. And then we see that in children who are primary age, where they'll get obsessed with something and they're, you know, story writing and they'll write stories and stories and stories because this imagination has kicked in and they need to learn and understand it. Mm. So that's pretty much, you know, the philosophy and the science around Montessori. And then she, she these, these materials she made are genius, like to understand maths and understand the curriculum in primary age was just six to 12, which was what I studied because that age of development is pretty much, they see things in a big way. They want to know why they want to know in depth and they want to see the interconnection of society because they're trying to understand it where they fit into society. So everything in the curriculum is interconnected. You know, when you learn about biology and leafs, it's got parallel lines, which is connected to maths, which is helping them understand that maths and geometry has a space in the world. We're not just learning these things because we're learning these things because humans want to develop and order and work with their brain. And by understanding these little breadcrumbs, they help us gather the skill to whatever it is we want to be in the world. So that's kind of her philosophy and how the classrooms are created. Children are in their age group. So zero to three is broken together, three to six, six to nine, nine to 12, and then high schools, which we don't really have many in Australia or any. There's just maybe one that's just started that I know of. Um, and it's just all about observing the child object objectively and respecting their growth. So when the child gets to around five or six, you see they're ready to come into the six, the um, six to nine environment. So a child literally transitions in a very natural way from one, one um, classroom or one prepared environment to the other. So in contrast, in a, in a mainstream school at six years old or five or six years old, they come into a mainstream school and it doesn't matter where they are. They all start learning the same thing mm -hmm. where this is like a slowly gentle progression transition into a classroom. And then a Montessori classroom is all about independence. It's kind of like I, I see it as like a Google space you know, a Google office space where everyone's working on their own individual projects and they have, you know, meetings with the boss or meetings with the, you know, other people and then they go and do their individual thing. And that's the same as a Montessori classroom. So as a teacher, I might get a few children together and we'll learn handwriting and then they'll go off and they have to practice their handwriting every day. But then another group of children I'll be doing algebra or, you know, like squaring with Montessori material and they'll have to then go and practice it. Mm -hmm. And my job as the um, educator or guide is to observe, okay, 
I've just given the, that lesson. Did that support the child? Was it easier, perfect, or do they need extension? And if I observe that they need extension, I'll jump straight, you know, on that day or the next day to giving them a little something a bit harder. Mm. So it allows for children to learn independent independence and individual um, learning and that teacher can just observe and go and do group lessons or mini lessons so that every child is at where they're at. Mm. And that also allows there's no, there's mixed ages. So it's all about supporting younger children, observing older children, role models. Uh, there's no, in, it's about growing intrinsic motivation. So there's no comparison. There's no stickers. There's no system like that. Um, it's just kind of observing and allowing children to just do their work and respecting their work and not interrupting their work if a child is sitting and doing something for ages, being like, okay, they can spend the whole morning doing that because they are so into it and mm. their brain obviously needs it. So that is the Montessori philosophy and kind of how it looks like on an everyday basis. Oh, my gosh. As like my teacher brain is going, oh, my gosh, there's so many things there that I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want more of that. Like one thing that like there's two things I want to like mention, especially for like parents out there that don't have a background in education and, and are kind of like interested like what this would then kind of lend to in the background the amount of conversations I have had with parents around their concern for their child's reading ability their ability to write um because they're quote-unquote like six months behind or 12 months behind and we're obligated to I know it is. And I actually have this conversation all the time. I, I you know, use the visual. This is a uh, audio platform, so you can't see me, but I use the visual of like education is not like this like straight diagonal like line. We don't learn in this like linear way. We learn in peaks and troughs and your age actually really doesn't have anything to do with it. Yes, it might be a little bit of a guide, you know, if you're 12 years old and and you're still maybe reading at like the level that a seven-year-old, the other seven-year-olds are, then, then that's an area for concern. But if you're seven and your child, if your child is seven and they're, they're reading at a quote-unquote six-year-old's level, that's not so like... The reason why it becomes a, a problem in the classroom is because your teach all of the seven-year-olds are learning something new rather than allowing that child to continue to be practicing their own level and everything like that. So I hope that that's making sense, but it's just children don't all learn at the same rate. And I have to have this conversation like countless time with parents that this is not actually something that I am concerned about at this point in time this idea of behind is something that we are just obligated to assess them on, but they are doing fine and they will learn how, like they are learning how to read. They are making progress. They are, they are interested in their reading. They're enjoying reading. They, that is most important. They're wanting to like those things. Let's like just delete that pressure of them needing to be where their peers are because that's where, you end up with kids. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, that's where you end up with kids who don't want to read and have that resistance yeah. to it because they're like, "Well, you're just forcing me to like 
keep practicing this when I'm just like, I practiced already. Like I, I've been reading, like I've been doing it. And then they create the, this resistance around it because there's this pressure for them to quote unquote catch up. And it's like, catch up to what? Like yeah. they are learning. It's very, very rare that you have a child leave primary school and not know how to read um, at an adequate level. And if they do, it is probably because there is something else going on which would have been picked up earlier. Um, there was something else that you mentioned that I really wanted to, and I, of course, cannot remember it. Well, I'll just add to that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll add to that. And, you know, I'm a psyche facilitator, so I work with stress and anxiety and limiting beliefs. And this is where the issues um, perpetuate proper stress and anxiety because in our culture, in our society, which is all about comparison and competition and, you know, who's better than who, that comes and infiltrates the, the school, the school systems. It is the school system. It infiltrates school systems. It infiltrates our way of thinking and being is that it doesn't mean anything. I have seen children pick up and start learning when they're 11 who have dyslexia. They pick up the book. They love reading. They've been homeschooled and unschooled. They do it in their readiness. But a child at six or seven, when their brain is just not ready, they're just not getting it. They have so much shame, fear, all this issue around it so that when it comes to maybe when they're older and they're wanting to be, let's say, a psychologist or a lawyer or something like that because they have strong fairness and justice, they come to read, you know, some type of legal document and they freak out and they go into a fight flight and they're never, you know, they're not able to be their best self or they have to go through this whole process to get through that when it meant nothing and it created these beliefs and blockages that never needed to be there. Mm. Um, and I work with parents, right? So I work with parents with relationship blockages, money blockages. And where did that come from? It, it absorbed from their parents, their society as a child, you know, it could have come genetically, but how many parents, how many parents or children or I mean sorry not children or any adults when you say to them okay right what seven times seven do you have that like fight flight like I don't know what it is I I hold my hand up I don't know what it is and that doesn't mean that I don't know what it is that's because I have like stress from being like queens on my times tables as a kid and I'm like I don't know (laughs) I know you freak out then you have to breathe and go hold on I do know this yes it Mm -hmm. comes together cool but that that fight flight response of blockage when we do that in our brain it automatically instead of going I can work this out it says I don't know how to do this and when we feel that way about time tables we will feel that way we can feel that way about money taxes which you know is blockages that will not support us to manifest abundance Mm, so that's where you know this way of being that's why I'm so passionate about it it's like yeah we talk about it but the deep psychological blockages that can come from a result of this can really last long term and as I've said like 12 times oh you said it it means nothing we don't need to know anything we can pick it up when where an adult will learn it and will work on it it will click and then we can use that skill and actually as an at child, we just need to support the mathematical brain, however that looks, the um, literacy brain, however that looks. And that can be, you know, a trivia 
at the at once a week you know at the breakfast Mm. table crosswords with grandpa those are the things that can build up those skills yeah and there's one thing that before uh, because I really want to shift and talk about um you know from that parent's perspective and this is going to kind of lead into that but one thing that I want to point like point out for the first like few years and of of my career I worked a lot with kids um with dyslexia and other learning difficulties um in like small like intervention groups and things like that and these were kids I'm talking that like could really barely read could not write a sentence um and they you know 10 years old where their peers um writing you know able to write like 10 pages of well-articulated writing and things like that um and the thing is is yes we did you know like all the teacher like phonics space stuff and like learning all of those things but the number one like intention that I had was to have them feel have enjoyable experiences learning and reading and writing have them boost their confidence have them have a sense of community in in those groups have them like experience success and to relieve that stress and tension that they had when they were learning and to just take that pressure off and a lot of the work that I did that you know if you want to talk about it in like you know progress and achievement and stuff I know that's not what we're talking about but some people need that they made like the most progress that they've ever made in their entire schooling up until that point but the the, the main part of the intervention there and then as their teacher in the classroom was just letting them breathe, letting them like just learn at their own pace and actually take the time where they're not comparing themselves to others, where they feel okay about where they're at. They're not sitting there going, I don't want anybody to know that I actually can't read that. Like, and they're actually going, that's okay. I'm, I'm learning how to read it. And that is what I have seen over and over and over again make the difference. So I guess what I would love to do is to shift our um, our kind of like lens through that that parenting um, perspective. And what what kind of like advice would you give to to a, a parent who or a carer who is kind of like finding the education of their child um, and this quite stressful or they're seeing stress and anxiety in their child, what would you, how would you go about supporting them? Awesome. So I, this is what I do and I work with parents, with children, with all different, you know, abilities in, in lots of ways. And I, I see these two things. So the two things is, um, the macro and that macro is kind of outside of what are the expectations you have on the child what is the expectations that society has on the child and really understanding if they're real if they're made up and if they're not needed letting them go you know there's so many ways to learn handwriting there's so many ways to learn x y and z and you know, we get caught in like, no, my child needs to do X, Y, and Z. So if you're feeling like, oh, I feel pressured, the education of human development, because once you start understanding, this is how brains develop, this is how they observe, this is the science around X, Y, and Z, this is how my child can really be supported. 
And this is with anything, right? When you have stress and anxiety around any topic, the best things to do is learn about it. Because once you learn the history around it, once you learn the technicality around it, it doesn't seem so scary. Because mostly our fear is made up because of our own prior experiences, our own fears. And once you learn it, you can be like, oh, I can really understand this better. I can understand and not get so fearful at what I'm, what I'm seeing in my child, what I'm observing. Um, and that's, you know, I, I do talks about anxiety and understand what anxiety is. And once you kind of start realizing it, it's just this part of the brain that's there to save us. I know that you know all about this. You're like, oh, that's a really incredible place and a part of my brain. And I can work with it. It can support me. My child's waking up feeling anxious today. I'm waking up feeling anxious today. What's this about? What lesson is this? How can I use this to support me? Mm -hmm. I really believe that everything that happens and all of our body's messages are that. They're messages to support us. So that's the first thing. It's all just information, isn't it? It's all just information. I like say that all the time. The the kid will be coming in and they're really upset and stressed out. I'm like, that's okay. It's just information. It's just your body doing exactly what it's meant to be doing. Yeah, amazing. So there's that. So like on that that uh, macro level is like get educated so you can understand it from a bigger point of view. You know, if it's a book, if it's a podcast, if it's one-on-one support. And then on a micro level, working on your own anxiety and your own beliefs. Um, because a lot of the time, the reason why the child has anxiety or X, Y, and Z, it might be just because of what you are choosing to see from your own projections that you're putting on your child or your own fears and your own worries. Um, And as soon as you start working on, you know, what's creating that fight flight response in you on top of understanding the education, you get this really beautiful way of being, which is that really awesome, you know, I don't need to freak out. I can observe myself and my child. How can I solve the problem? How can I guide them gently to support them? Mm. So those would be the two technical ways to do it. And then also patience and just observing and patience. Things don't need to work out straight away. I've got a lot of people coming, this is the problem. How can we solve it? And I'm like, okay, slowly, slowly. And that's to myself. Like, I'm also like, I want to solve something. So this slowly, 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 how can we see and find and take this problem and find the solutions to get that breaking point? And we might just be planting seeds and we might not actually get to see the solution. But just by doing that, you know, if we believe intuitively, if we're following ourselves, if we're authentic to what we really understand is going to support ourselves and those anxious children, then we will get this flowering, beautiful tree, you know, or plant when it needs, when it needs to happen. Mm. So yeah, so learn about human development, where your child is, age and stage, learn about anxiety, so you're not scared about it. And also look at yourself, because the more you're calm, and the more you're less triggered, and the more you're looked after, the more you're going to deal with any solution and situation. And it just lets it let it lets you let go of this thing being an issue Mm. and when it's an issue and the child's labored and anxious and it's perpetuated it becomes a whole thing Mm. but when you're like okay this thing has happened let's observe it let's see how I'm feeling we can start modeling and supporting a child to feel things and listen to them own self it can you really shift and change and look a different looks like something else 
Yes. The like the big one that I really want to focus in here is like to look at yourself. Um, and this is something that like, because I've, I've two beautiful stepchildren. Um, so I've seen this from that perspective of being, you know, in that parenting role within the family and then also at school as a teacher. And then I've seen it in other mums, you know, something that like, I just got so exhausted having this same conversation was parents coming up to me and being like, my child is so anxious. I don't know what's going on. Like, what do I do? Like, how do I fix it? And I'm like, you are literally like, if anxiety like had like a physical form, it would be like hitting me in the face right now. Like, like you need to go and check your energy because you are really anxious and they're feeling that in yourself. And, you know, and it's it's one of those things, you know, you rock up to yeah. to work and sorry, you go. Oh no, I totally interrupted you, but I just I wanted to just jump in and say like it's so funny because I work with parents and they'll have children that are anxious and then they'll start doing sessions. And then people start coming up to them and being like, Your child is so much calmer. Your child is blah blah blah. But they were doing the sessions. I haven't even done any sessions with them yet. And as soon as they get into this, because like, especially the mamas, the parents, they hold the energy of the house of their children. As as soon as they shift and change it, children, that it's easy for them. You know, they can easily overcome these things. Once we integrate it as educators or parents or caregivers with children, we authentically teach that because it's in us. Mm. So yeah, I, I want to, it's so funny how that happens. It's like, as soon as you start doing the work, people are like, wow, your child is so happy. They're doing so much better. It's, it's, it's really funny. It's crazy. It really, really is. And they, like, they are, my beautiful partner, like, referred to the kids as, like, little radio towers the other day um, because we had, like, a really big breakthrough in our relationship and have been so incredibly loving and affectionate with each other. Um, you know, really just like opened our heart and, you know, and he's beautifully like opened his heart and the kids are like, have like picked up. We obviously haven't had conversations with them. Like that's not appropriate, but they are picking up on that energy. I'm talking like, you know, the little um, boy, the youngest, who's um, five, nearly six, he's never been super, super affectionate with me and everything like that. You know, he'll kind of you know, give me like a one second hug and then gets uncomfortable and, and runs away and, and everything like that. And I'm talking like 24 hours after this big shift happened in our relationship, he's there like sitting on my lap on the couch and snuggling into me. And I'm talking, I've known this child for three years. Like we've, okay. I've been in his life for three years and all of a sudden he's, you know, like touching my face and playing with my face and like, you know, having that like close, like one-on-one moment. And I was like, what the hell has just happened? But they pick up on that energy. And that's just an example of, you know, our, you know, in our relationship, like our romantic relationship, having like that openness and that, and we've always been very open and affectionate, but it was just bringing it to a whole new level and my partner opening up more, that opened up a whole new gateway there. But in the same way, when I come home from work and I am like exhausted and a bit stressed out or even feeling a little bit anxious, the kids are like off the rails. And I'm just like, and I'm sitting there going, all I want is a moment of peace and quiet. 
but I'm not cultivating that within myself. Therefore, then like they're picking up on my energy and they're just kind of all chaotic because of that. And it's it's very, very interesting because it's, you know, in the work that, that I do and in what I teach is, you know, trying to move people's uh, kind of um, viewpoint from looking outwards, trying to fix what's going on outwards and turning and looking within and going, well, what do I have? I have control over my own energy and what's going on for me. And it does impact everything around you. And it really impacts our children most because like my beautiful man says, they're little radio towers. They are picking up on everything. They are modeling you, you as, as the adults, you know, their parents, you are the center of their world. You are the center of their world. You are their heroes. They are watching everything that you do, whether it be like something like that you were physically doing or just the energy that you're putting out, they are picking up on it. Totally. And I'm sure like you would be able to say this as well. It's like, I know what the parents are saying to the children. I know the fights that are happening. I know which child is not getting enough attention from their dad and is getting love through presence. Like I knew and saw anything and everything because it was so obvious in the behavior of the child. So you know, that's why I loved and I moved into working one-on-one with parents because I knew it. I could see it straight away. You can see children just pick it all up and then they act that way and you can see it. You can observe exactly the dynamics that are going on with parents at home. It can't be hidden when you're with a child because um, they're absorbing it. They're taking it on always and often and they're taking on those lessons and those beliefs and it is it's like I'm sure you knew it but as soon as you experience it you're like oh my god this really you know it whenever I do that from session to session with parents or children or whoever I'm working with I'm like oh my god how has this changed they used to hate this this you know you used to tell me this is why you started the sessions and now you're going oh no I don't care about that anymore whatever let's move on to anything else like it's it's so incredible how that minor little breakthrough is so huge and expansive Mm, yes I'd love to like you know because I'm trying to think about the best way to word this question I'd love to know like some really um because we love a good practical tip um as much as like none of this stuff is ever like like a one like little step that's going to fix it but just for you know those beautiful mamas out there who are like, I am so exhausted. I'm trying to work full time or like, you know, work part time looking after my kids. Like there's so many things going on. Like I don't, and they've kind of got that perspective. And I truly, truly believe as triggering as this can be that everything is a perspective. And if you're choosing to see those things as stressful, then they are going to be stressful. Um, But somebody who is really in the midst of that really like, anxious parenting experience or stressed out parenting experience what are some like simple just and especially like I I say simple because like I experienced experienced anxiety for a period of time and and you know and it really is where you just need to like focus on one thing that you can actually do right now what is just like some simple like adoptable things or maybe even shifts that some mamas or, you know, fathers or whoever it is can take on um, to create a little bit more peace and calm 
and reduce that anxiety and stress in their home and in their family. So with parents, um, practical tips with anxiety, there are so many that, you know, you can find online. I put up on my Instagram all the time. I'm sure you do too, about if it's breath work, if it's 10 minutes of meditation, if it's going for a run, um, if it's, it's put it up a boundary and commit to giving yourself 15 minutes, half an hour of time for yourself, where that is not thinking about the children, not thinking about work, really giving yourself some time. Start, you know, with once a week, build it up to two times a week. And this can be extremely hard to let go of the phone, let go of the emails, let go of everything and just come back to yourself. And normally when we're in the peak of anxiety, we don't do that because we're so anxious that we need to be doing all these other stuff that we try not to do that. So commit to it by maybe going to a yoga class or a gym class or something that like there's a teacher there that puts you into it and forces you to do it. Because once you start kind of putting those boundaries to just support yourself, your anxiety is there to give you a message. As you said, it is information. And the more you ignore it, the more it's going to get louder. So the first thing to smack you out of that and come back into yourself is give yourself that permission to have time and space for yourself. And if you're doing that all already and you have this deep anxiety, go see someone. If it's a mainstream psychologist, because that's your thing or something deeper like psych K or other sub- subconscious work to really shift and clear Um, this work and if you are anxious and you're hearing this this is your message to go and do it because I I when I was super anxious what happened was I was in a a school system and there was a lot of children with special needs and I just I was burning out I wasn't in my integrity I had a lot of stress and I was getting super anxious with everything that, that was happening and pretty much I was pushed into finding psych K And the universe was pretty much like, you need to stop this now. But when the the person, you know, my family friend told me about the Psyche course and told me to try it. I'm like, no, I'm too busy. I've got so much on. Like I was sitting on the couch with like digest, my tummy, digestive issues. Like I was so anxious. I didn't want to do anything. But as soon as I put myself in a situation to support me, everything else opened up. Mm -hmm. And I work with clients with, um, you know, who struggle with boundaries. But yeah, so this is the first thing. If you're dealing with deep anxiety or an issue, check in with yourself and practice it to start listening. What do I really need? And if it doesn't, you can't do it by yourself, get someone else to do it with you. Mm-hmm. With children who are anxious, start talking about anxiety and creating places for them to observe the anxiety and drop into it. So to understand anxiety, it's pretty simple. I've got it on my Instagram. I think you do too. You know, understanding what anxiety is, you can go online to really um, learn about it. And there's lots of things out there where there's like understanding anxiety for children, beautiful books and get them talking. So they have this emotion around, sorry, not emotion, their vocabulary around their emotions, including anxiety, anger, that fight, flight response. Um, and create a little meditation corner where when everyone, anyone freaks out, they can go sit down and go and regulate themselves. 
So, you know, when you come home and you're exhausted, go sit in the meditation corner and that's allowing your, you know, your family around you to know mom, caregiver, parent, they need to chill right now. You know, I need to have compassion for them because maybe they're in that space of where they just want their time. And it could be a rule. You can only come to that medication. I'm going to put that meditation corner in. I'm going to put the 15 minute timer on and you can only come if you are, you know, there's something on fire Mm. and it may be different if you have younger children, that's obviously harder to do. But Mm. with those older children, there's start those conversations and start that emotional intelligence. Another one to, I'm just going to interject there, just especially if you, um, if you're there going like how my kids aren't going to just like leave me alone. Um, And I, and I'm aware that these are not my own children, but my, my beautiful little stepkids, I, every morning, my like first thing that I do is I sit at my altar in what I call like my temple, which is the room that I'm in now. And it's my little temple space. And, um, and I sit there and I meditate, I, I journal some, like a journal, I pull cards. I um, sometimes do breath work. I just do my thing in there. And the thing is, is on the weekends that the kids are with us, they're actually invited to come in here with me. If, but they, they know that, that the space in here, it's not a, we're not wrestling on the ground. We're not being silly, but they're actually invited to come and join in, in this experience. But this is what Emily's doing. Emily is meditating. Emily is pulling cards. Emily's inquiring in. And they, kids are naturally, naturally curious. And I've set that very, very clear boundary that if we're getting a little bit silly, we, that's fine, but we're just going to leave and go and hang out with dad um, or go and play with our toys or something like that. But you can come into it. And this is the same concept of like the meditation corner. This is, they're watching me. The first thing I do in the morning is come and I serve myself. And you are more than welcome to come and join me and start to learn some of these things. And sometimes they'll be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm meditating. So I'm just going to be quiet for a little while. You can join me if you like. Sometimes they're like, no. And sometimes they're like, okay. And they sit there and they'll, and sometimes they sit on my lap. Sometimes they just sit next to me or sometimes they'll just like lie on the floor with the dog and like pat the dog. Sometimes they just get out, get out every single Oracle deck that I have and pull out every single card. But they're still, I've included them in a practice that I have. I haven't had it be like, I I need you to get away from me. And I'm sure that if they might, you know, when I have my own kids, I'm going to have some boundaries because there's going to be times where I just want to be with myself in that time. And, and they can understand those boundaries, but it doesn't have to be as clear. Like you can include your child in your own interests and your own self-care because like we said before, they are watching what you're doing. They're modeling you in everything that you do. And if you give them an opportunity to be a part of it, they will naturally practice it themselves. And you want to model boundaries because you want your children to grow up to have safe boundaries, to be able to regulate themselves, to be able to say, no, I don't actually want this. I want X, Y, and Z. To not be the people pleaser who gets burnt out because they've learned through you I need to respect my boundaries. I need to respect my energy and find a way that works. Mm. So creating that little meditation room and, as you said, having it as your own space and inviting children in is beautiful. Mm. 
And then the last one that came to mind is also just having conversations, you know, having conversations. If it's like a weekly drop in, if it is every day of when issues arise, that can create anxiety. And it might be just one on one. Oh, um, you know, this is more for children than the the parent with anxiety. Um, but, you know, if a child is dealing with something, hey, what's going on? What, do you understand maybe what it could be? And this is for an old child. Um, and they might not know and be like, okay, well, I can see and I can observe your X, Y, and Z. So let's try and regulate. Should we do some breathing? Should we do some meditation? Should we read a book? Um, and let's get feeling really safe and calm and comfortable. And then if it's to do with a fight, you know, if it's a fight between siblings or other children, what actually happened, letting children express themselves and express their side of you, because a lot of the time and like, you know, that's in classrooms, you know, or outside the classroom, it's like, stop, don't do that to your sister, don't do that to your brother. And as a result, no one's actually been allowed to say their side of the view their view and no one gets to this fight flight screaming match or smacking a child because you know they wanted to do it on purpose they were triggered and mm-hmm. you can start from a young age being like oh you just smacked your child you, you smacked your sister are you okay let's ask your sister are you okay what happened here let's regulate ourselves let's try solve the problem and find a solution if it's for younger children, you can just observe it and you can name it. And then as the children get older, give them the space to share. And they come up with the most incredible epiphanies. They'll say, I don't feel heard. I don't feel, I feel frustrated because she always takes my X, Y, and Z. And it's so nice to be like, oh, well, that, that would really annoy me. I can see that. Let's try find something that can work better yeah. instead of shutting the child down yeah and like that's also an element of like repairing relationships as well so I know that it wasn't really modeled to me what it is to repair a relationship after if I was like say sorry and you're like sorry and it's like there's no repair there and you're still kind of like holding a little bit of a grudge and the thing is is that then turns into adults who think who are in relationships and I'm speaking from personal experience here who are in relationships that think that anytime there's conflict that it's it's a break and a shutdown in the relationship whereas that's not true (laughs) you know so there's so many elements here and I feel like we could talk about this like we could just go into so many different avenues here because I think we're both really passionate about um education so (laughs) many things um maybe we can have you on for a part two because there's so many things that I feel like I didn't get the chance to ask you um but I do know that your time is so precious um I have two last little questions that I wanted to ask you um and that is um I'd love to hear about a beautiful manifestation that has unfolded in your life and how it unfolded for you Oh, wow. Well, my site K business, I would say, just came and manifested itself to me because 
yeah, like I was really feeling anxious. I knew I didn't want to be in the school system. I knew I wanted to be maybe doing this deeper work where I could work one-on-one with parents and really do site case sessions with them or do deeper work with them because I was frustrated. I could see issues with children and I knew how to fix them, but I didn't know how to really get to people or how to kind of um, shift them. And as I said, I was really anxious. My close family friend, my soul mother, that's what I call her. She gave me, she had done this course. She was a psychologist of 30 years and she found this. She converted her whole, you know, mainstream psychology into psyche. She's like, you've got to learn this practice. You've got to do it. You've got to learn it. I, after that weekend, I, um, four days later, I quit my job. I resigned Um, I was doing Psyche with all the children for the four weeks before I left and I started building my Psyche um, business and it has been a process and I show up unapologetically, you know, dodgy Instagrams and all, making mistakes and all. Um, And I actually work with entrepreneurs a lot because I've been through that process that they go through and um, there's so many limiting beliefs around it. But yeah, I I manifested this business that, you know, I knew I wanted to work with children or work with parents and really help children, but I, it wasn't enough in the in the um, school system for me. And this beautiful modality came to me, and that's what I'm so passionate. That's why I'm so passionate because I see the change it creates. I can see how I can really get into those deep sub- subconscious beliefs to build this incredible confidence and this incredible inner voice and intuition that people have and build their this knowledge that they have so many opportunities when they remove these invisible subconscious obstacles so that and oh my goodness understanding manifestation I see it every day in my life I'm so lucky it just comes in at all times you know those messages of like after doing so much like hey I, I met my my beautiful partner as well my boyfriend at um health food store he just said hello um and you know three months three months later that was it pretty much we moved in very quickly together we kind of knew we were it but just yeah just from the manifesting and once we let go of these subconscious meaning beliefs and we're constantly in this positivity and it's in our vortex we are bringing it to us all the time and I see that with money I see that with my partner with love with clients uh yeah I I could go into so many specific oh my god manifestation incredible stories um but yeah psych K I guess because I feel so passionate that I have this avenue to really support families um and children through helping parents be better oh my gosh so 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 good I love hearing I ask that question to everybody because I love hearing about like just magic that unfolds every day for people. It's beautiful. Um, I I just want to say one that's like so even magical. On top of this, when I left, you know, my 30 children, my huge, my classroom and went completely solo and it was scary. You know, you go from security, uh, uh, um, salary once, once a fortnight to nothing. Um, about a few weeks you know or three months into it 
a place that I used to work for when I was in my early 20s, they called and they said, we just did an audit. Um, You used to work for us on Sundays, but we were just paying you normal rate. We weren't paying you time and a half. So we're actually owing you a whole lot of money. And like over a thousand dollars just yeah. get, got popped into my account. And it was pretty much a universe being like, you will be okay financially. You don't worry about money. It will come. It was like such a beautiful message of like, you can manifest abundance. So don't worry about it. Yes. I've had those moments where, and it's like always like when you're in the midst of being like, oh my God, how am I going to pay, pay my bills? This is a really big decision. And then the universe almost like, I like to imagine this like hand, like coming down and just like whacking me over the head being like, hey, you'll be fine. You've got this. Yeah, We've got yeah. you. Oh, Just yeah. Keep trusting yourself. You'll like stop looking through the lens of fear, feel into the love and the abundance. You will be okay. Yeah, um, amazing. I believe that by declaring our desires out loud, we anchor them in. And I'm just like on a mission to get rid of this um, notion of like make a wish, but don't tell anyone about it because it won't come true. I'm like, no, let's scream our desires from the rooftops. Let's share them. Let's support each other in them. So what is something that you are currently manifesting? Mm. Oh, Hmm. what am I currently manifesting? So I'm currently manifesting, I said it before, I'm currently manifesting acceptance of patience. Mm. Um, And the other day, me and my friend were discussing, we were doing these reflective questions. And the question was like, with your work, what is the best, you know, the best thing about it? And what has been the hardest? And the hardest thing for me was patience. But the best was the process. Because I was like, oh my goodness, I've like had to learn about, you know, all these different parts of of a business. I'm great at working with parents. I'm great at what I do in, as a human developmental specialist and as a site care facilitator. But what what do you mean marketing? And now, you know, I, I am finding these things really easy. I've got a lot of more things to do, but I'm like, it's so incredible to observe and be proud of myself that I thought of this thing, cried on the couch, wanted to give up. But now I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's easy. I know how to do it. Um, so it was this huge epiphany that within myself, the most favorite part is my process, which is such a cliche. Everyone knows it. But to just remember and integrate that when those impatience arrive, because I do, I want to be like doing podcasts and going into every school and being like children, like, you know, supporting their self-esteem, their spiritual esteem and be like, who cares about what that teacher's saying? Just like, you know, trust your gut. Um, But knowing that like it all comes together and just really integrating and accepting this presence and patience that, you know, I really, I tell people to have and I tell myself to have it, but I want to integrate it more. So that's my wish at the moment I'm working on. And so it is. I will join that bandwagon. I am also manifesting patience, just taking my time. And I just, I just have that mantra of I'm in this for for the long game. Like I'm creating like stable foundations, and that's that's the vibe. The vibe is not instant gratification. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on. How can people find you, connect with you, learn more from you? 
So I'm on Instagram and, you know, I didn't really go into many practical tools, but every so often, if it's once a month or two, twice a month, I do um, do just free talks about different topics. You know, I've done one in homeschooling. I've done one on boundaries and understanding natural consequences and punishments. I've done some on responsibility and limits. Um, I'm going to specialize and do some on teenagers, some on little ones. So if you follow me on Instagram, have a look out for whenever I say I'm going to do a free talk. So if you're really connecting with what I'm saying, you want to understand Montessori philosophy more, I put those out there. So um, yeah, my Instagram, Carly Saber, and through there pretty much you've got, there's my website and all the other things. And I have a link to have a discovery call if you're wanting to understand more about Psyche K or more about Montessori education, or you're just needing support in this area, jump on a call or voice message me on Instagram, send me an email. I, as you can see, me and you, Emily, could talk about this for ages. So I'm always here to, you know, answer a question or point people in the right direction. Or if you're being pulled to do a session, connect to me and I can let you know what that entails. So good. And if you really enjoyed, like, listening to Carly and um and learning about this like dm us over on instagram like we love i know i love just like getting messages being like i love that episode because the thing with like podcasts is you don't actually like see the faces of people who are listening like i just see like these numbers that you know and they increase every week and month you know as as i'm growing the podcast and i'm like i don't know who you are like come and message me message Carly and be like, Hey, like, I love that, that episode. Like it really does, um, just reaffirm to us that we're on the right path and that we're, we're doing the right thing. And we just love to connect with you. Like I love connecting with the audience and hearing from you. And I'm sure Carly sounds like Carly's the exact same. So, um, come and DM us, chat to us, say hi. You don't even have to have a question. Just say hi. <laughs> anyway share share us if you know an anxious parent or you know you know people who are having doubts about something share us because as I said before that education element you might see it and me thinking it and go hold on this is this is what I needed to hear and this is what I needed to remember because this is what I'm doing with my child or this is what I need to do with my child and that's exactly the validation I needed a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Some of my favorite podcasts and like things that I've learned has been because somebody has just like shared an episode on Instagram or they've just, one of my friends has just messaged it to me with like no information. They've just sent me a podcast episode and I've been like, okay. Um, and you like, it's quite often, like, I believe everything's so divinely connected. I'm like, that is the exact message that I needed to hear today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Carly. I appreciate your time so much. Oh, me too. I've really loved it. Thank you for having me. And we can definitely connect in the future. I'm sure we will out of the recording, but maybe in the recording too. So yeah, thank you. For sure, for sure. If you've listened this far, well done. You're truly devoted to creating a life of your deepest desires. If you loved this episode, share it with a friend or better yet, rate and review the show. It truly does help get this message into the hearts of more people who need it. Plus, 
It's like giving me a big virtual hug. Don't forget to DM me over on Instagram at I am Emily Burke and share your biggest takeaways and aha moments. I love connecting with you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And until next time, keep making moves to create your most authentically you dream life.